Letter five of Clarissa Harlowe or the History of a Young Lady, Volume five. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Clarissa Harlowe or the History of a Young Lady, Volume five, by Samuel Richardson. Letter five. Mr. Lovelace to John Belford, Esquire, Sunday, May twenty eighth. This story of Captain Tomlinson employed us not only for the time we were together last night but all the while we sat at breakfast this morning. She would still have it that it was a prelude to some mischief from Singleton. I insisted, according to my former hint, that it might much more probably be a method taken by Colonel Morden to alarm her, previous to a personal visit. Travelled gentlemen affected to surprise in this manner. And why, dearest creature, said I, must everything that happens, which we cannot immediately account for, be what we least wish? She had had so many disagreeable things befall her of late, that her fears were too often stronger than her hopes and this, madam, makes me apprehensive that you will get into so low-spirited a way that you will not be able to enjoy the happiness that seems to await us. Her duty and her gratitude, she gravely said, to the dispenser of all good, would secure her, she hoped, against unthankfulness, and a thankful spirit was the same as a joyful one. So, Belford, for all her future joy she depends entirely upon the invisible good. She is certainly right, since those who fix least upon second causes are the least likely to be disappointed." and is not this gravity for her gravity she had hardly done speaking when dorcas came running up in a hurry she set even my heart into a palpitation thump 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 like a precipitated pendulum in a clock-case flutter 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 my charmers as by her sweet bosom rising to her chin i saw this lower class of people my beloved herself observed were for ever aiming at the stupid wonderful and for making even common incidents matter of surprise why the devil said i to the wind this alarming hurry and with your spread fingers, and your, oh, madams, and oh, sirs, and be cursed you. Would there have been a second of time difference, had you come up slowly? Captain Tomlinson, sir. Captain Devilson, what care I? Do you see how you have disordered your lady? Good Mr. Lovelace, said my charmer, trembling. See, Jack, when she has an end to serve, I am good, Mr. Lovelace. If, if my brother, if Captain Singleton should appear, pray now, I beseech you, let me beg of you, to govern your temper. My brother is my brother. "'Captain Singleton is but an agent.' "'My dearest life,' folding my arms about her, "'when she asks favours, thought I, the devil's in it, "'if she will not allow such an innocent freedom as this "'from good Mr. Lovelace too. "'You shall be witness of all passes between us. "'Dorcas, desire the gentleman to walk up. "'Let me retire to my chamber first. "'Let me not be known to be in the house. "'Charming dear. "'Thou seest, Belford, she is afraid of leaving me. "'Oh, the little witchcrafts! "'Were not for surprises now and then,' how would an honest man know where to have them she withdrew to listen and though this incident has not turned out to answer all i wished from it yet is it not necessary if i would acquaint thee with my whole circulation to be very particular in what passed between captain tomlinson and me enter captain tomlinson in a riding-dress whip in hand your servant sir mr lovelace i presume my name is lovelace sir excuse the day sir be pleased to excuse my garb i am obliged to go out of town directly that i may return at night the day is a good day. Your garb needs no apology. When I sent my servant, I did not know that I should find time to do myself this honour. All that I thought I could do to oblige my friend this journey was only to assure myself of your abode, and whether there was a probability of being admitted to the speech of either you or your lady. Sir, you best know your own motives. What your time will permit you to do, you also best know. And here I am, attending your pleasure. My charmer owned afterwards her concern on my being so short. 
whatever i shall mingle of her emotions thou wilt easily guess i had afterwards sir i hope no offence i intend none 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 at all sir sir i have no interest in the affair i come about i may appear officious and if i thought i should i would decline any concern in it after i have just hinted what it is and pray sir what is it may i ask you sir without offence whether you wish to be reconciled and to co-operate upon honourable terms with one gentleman of the name of harlowe preparative as it may be hoped to a general reconciliation oh how my heart fluttered cried my charmer i can't tell sir and then it fluttered still more no doubt the whole family have used me extremely ill they have taken greater liberties with my character than are justifiable and with my family too which i can less forgive sir i have done i beg pardon for this intrusion my beloved was then ready to sink and thought very hardly of me but pray sir to the immediate purpose of your present commission since a commission it seems to be it is a commission sir and such a one as i thought would be agreeable to all parties or i should not have given myself concern about it perhaps it may sir when known but let me ask you one previous question do you know colonel morden sir no sir if you mean personally i do not but i have heard my good friend mr john harlowe talk of him with great respect and such a co-trusty with him in a certain trust lovelace i thought it probable sir that the colonel might be arrived that you might be a gentleman of his acquaintance and that something of an agreeable surprise might be intended captain had colonel morden been in england mr john harlowe would have known it and then i should not have been a stranger to it lovelace well but sir have you then any commission to me from mr john harlowe captain sir i will tell you as briefly as i can the whole of what i have to say but you will excuse me also in a previous question for what curiosity is not my motive but it is necessary to be answered before i can proceed as you will judge when you hear it lovelace what pray sir is your question captain briefly whether you are actually and bona fide married to miss clarissa harlowe i started and in a haughty tone is this sir a question that must be answered before you can proceed in the business you have undertaken i mean no offence mr lovelace mr harlowe sought to me to undertake this office i have daughters and nieces of my own i thought it a good office or i who have many considerable affairs upon my hands had not accepted of it i know the world and will take the liberty to say that if the young lady captain tomlinson i think you are called my name is tomlinson why then tomlinson no liberty as you call it will be taken well that is not extremely delicate when that lady is mentioned when you had heard me out mr lovelace and had found i had so behaved as to make the caution necessary it would have been just to have given it allow me to say i know what is due to the character of a woman of virtue as well as any man alive why sir why captain tomlinson you seem warm if you intend anything by this oh how i trembled said the lady when she took notice of this part of our conversation afterwards i will only say that this is a privileged place it is at present my home and an asylum for any gentleman who thinks it worth his while to inquire after me be the manner or end of his inquiry what it will i know not sir that i have given occasion for this i make no scruple to attend you elsewhere if i am troublesome here i was told i had a warm young gentleman to deal with but as i knew my intention and that my commission was an amicable one i was the less concerned about that i am twice your age mr lovelace i dare say but i do assure you that if either my message or my manner gives you offence i can suspend the one or the other for a day or for ever as you like and so sir any time before eight to-morrow morning you will let me know your further commands and was going to tell me where he might be found captain tomlinson said i you answer well i love a man of spirit have you not been in the army i have sir but have turned my sword into a ploughshare as the scripture has it there was a clever fellow jack 
He was a good man with somebody, I warrant. Oh, what a fine coat and cloak for an hypocrite will a text of scripture, properly applied, make at any time in the eyes of the pious! How easily are the good folks taken in! And all my delight, added he, for some years past, has been in cultivating my paternal estate. I love a brave man, Mr. Lovelace, as well as ever I did in my life. But let me tell you, sir, that when you come to my time of life, you will be of opinion that there is not so much true bravery in youthful choler, as you may now think there is. A clever fellow again, Belford. Ear and heart, both at once, he took in my charmer. Tis well, she says, there are some men who have wisdom in their anger. Well, Captain, that is reproof for reproof, so we are upon a footing. And now give me the pleasure of hearing the import of your commission. Sir, you must first allow me to repeat my question. Are you really, and bona fide, married to Miss Clarissa Harlowe, or are you not yet married? Bluntly put, Captain. But if I answer that I am, what then? Why then, sir, I shall say that you are a man of honour. That I hope I am, whether you say it or not, Captain Tomlinson. Sir, I will be very frank in all I have to say on this subject. Mr. John Harlowe has lately found out that you and his niece are both in the same lodgings, that you have been long so, and that the lady was at the play with you yesterday was Sir Knight, and he hopes that you are actually married. He has indeed heard that you are, but as he knows your enterprising temper, and that you have declared that you disdain a relation to their family, he is willing by me to have your marriage confirmed from your own mouth, before he take the steps he is inclined to take in his niece's favour. You will allow me to say, Mr. Lovelace, that he will not be satisfied with an answer that admits of the least doubt. Let me tell you, Captain Tomlinson, that it is a high degree of vileness for any man to suppose. Sir, Mr. Lovelace, don't put yourself into a passion. The ladies' relations are jealous of the honour of their family. They have prejudices to overcome as well as you. Advantage may have been taken, and the lady at the time not to blame. This lady, sir, could give no such advantages, and if she had, what must the man be, Captain Tomlinson, who could have taken them? Do you know the lady, sir? I never had the honour to see her but once, and that was at a church, and should not know her again. Not know her again, sir? I thought there was not a man living who had once seen her, and would not know her among a thousand. I remember, sir, that I thought I never saw a finer woman in my life, but, Mr. Lovelace, I believe you will allow, that it is better that her relation should have wronged you than you the lady. I hope, sir, you will permit me to repeat my question. Enter Dorcas in a hurry. A gentleman this minute, sir, desires to speak with your honour. My lady, sir, aside. Could the dear creature put Dorcas upon telling this fib, yet want to save me one? Desire the gentleman to walk into one of the parlours. I will wait upon him presently. Exit Dorcas. The dear creature, I doubted not, wanted to instruct me how to answer the captain's home put. I knew how I intended to answer it. Plump, thou mayst be sure, but Dorcas's message staggered me. And yet I was upon one of my master's strokes, which was to take advantage of the captain's inquiries, and to make her own her marriage before him, as she had done to the people below, and if she had been brought to that, to induce her, for her uncle's satisfaction, to write him a letter of gratitude, which of course must have been signed Clarissa Lovelace. I was loath, therefore, thou mayst believe, to attend her sudden commands, and yet afraid of pushing matters beyond recovery with her, I thought proper to lead him from the question, to account for himself and for Mr. Harlowe's coming to the knowledge of where we are, and for other particulars which I knew would engage her attention, and which might possibly convince her of the necessity there was, for her to acquiesce in the affirmative I was disposed to give, and this for her own sake. For what, as I asked her afterwards, is it to me, whether I am ever reconciled to her family?' a family, Jack, which I must for ever despise. You think, Captain, that I have answered doubtfully to the question you put. You may think so, and you must know that I have a good deal of pride, and only that you are a gentleman, and seem in this affair to be governed by generous motives, or I should ill-brook being interrogated as to my honour to a lady so dear to me. But before I answer more directly to the point, pray satisfy me in a question or two that I shall put to you. 
with all my heart sir ask me what questions you please i will answer them with sincerity and candour you say mr harlowe has found out that we were at a play together and that we were both in the same lodgings how pray came he at his knowledge for let me tell you that i have for certain considerations not respecting myself i will assure you condescended that our abode should be kept secret and this has been so strictly observed that even miss howe though she and my beloved correspond knows not directly where to send to us why sir the person who saw you at the play was a tenant of mr john harlowe he watched all your motions when the play was done he followed your coach to your lodgings and early the next day sunday he took horse and acquainted his landlord with what he had observed lovelace how oddly things come about but does any other of the harlows know where we are captain it is an absolute secret to every other person of the family and so it is intended to be kept as also that mr john harlowe is willing to enter into treaty with you by me if his niece be actually married for perhaps he is aware that he shall have difficulty enough with some people to bring about the desirable reconciliation although he could give them this assurance i doubt it not captain to james harlowe is all the family folly owing fine fools heroically stalking about to be governed by one to whom malice and not genius gives the busy liveliness that distinguishes him from a natural but how long pray sir has mr john harlowe been in this pacific disposition i will tell you mr lovelace and the occasion and be very explicit upon it and upon all that concerns you to know of me and of the commission i have undertaken to execute and this the rather as when you have heard me out you will be satisfied that i am not an officious man in this my present address to you i am all attention captain tomlinson and so i doubt not was my beloved captain you must know sir that i have not been many months in mr john harlowe's neighbourhood i removed from northamptonshire partly for the sake of better managing one of two executorship which i could not avoid engaging in the affairs of which frequently call me to town and are part of my present business and partly for the sake of occupying a neglected farm which has lately fallen into my hands but though an acquaintance of no longer standing and that commencing on the bowling green uncle john is a great bowler belford upon my decision of a point to every one's satisfaction which was appealed to me by all the gentlemen and which might have been attended with bad consequences no two brothers have a more cordial esteem for each other you know mr lovelace that there is a consent as i may call it in some minds which will unite them stronger together in a few hours than years can do with others whom yet we see not with disgust lovelace very true captain captain it was on the foot of this avowed friendship on both sides that on monday the fifteenth as i very well remember mr harlowe invited himself home with me and when there he acquainted me with the whole of the unhappy affair that had made them all so uneasy till then i knew it only by report for intimate as we were i forbore to speak of what was so near his heart till he began first and then he told me that he had had an application made to him two or three days before by a gentleman whom he named to induce him not only to be reconciled himself to his niece but to forward for her a general reconciliation a like application he told me had been made to his sister harlowe by a good woman whom everybody respected who had intimated that his niece if encouraged would again put herself into the protection of her friends and leave you but if not that she must unavoidably be yours i hope mr lovelace i make no mischief you look concerned you sigh sir proceed captain tomlinson pray proceed and i sighed still more profoundly captain they all thought it extremely particular that a lady should decline marriage with a man she had so lately gone away with pray captain pray mr tomlinson no more of this subject my beloved is an angel in everything unblameable whatever faults there have been have been theirs and mine what you would further say is that the unforgiving family rejected her application they did she and i had a misunderstanding the falling out of lovers you know captain we have been happier ever since 
Captain. Well, sir. But Mr. John Harlowe could not but better consider the matter afterwards, and he desired my advice how to act in it. He told me that no father ever loved a daughter as he loved this niece of his, whom, indeed, he used to call his daughter-niece. He said she had really been unkindly treated by her brother and sister, and as your alliance, sir, was far from being a discredit to their family, he would do his endeavour to reconcile all parties, if he could be sure that you were actually man and wife. Loveless. And what, pray, Captain, was your advice? Captain. I gave it as my opinion, that if his niece were unworthily treated, and in distress, as he apprehended from the application to him, he would soon hear of her again, but that it was likely, that this application was made without expecting it would succeed, and as a salvo only to herself, for marrying without their consent, and the rather thought I so, as he had told me, that it came from a young lady her friend, and not in a direct way from herself, which young lady was no favourite of the family, and therefore would hardly have been employed, had success been expected. Loveless. Very well, Captain Tomlinson, pray proceed. Captain. Here the matter rested till last Sunday evening, when Mr. John Harlowe came to me, with the man who had seen you and your lady, as I presume she is, at the play, and who had assured him that you both lodged in the same house. And then the application having been so lately made, which implied that you were not then married, he was so uneasy for his niece's honour, that I advised him to dispatch to town some one in whom he could confide, to make proper inquiries. Loveless. Very well, Captain. And was such a person employed on such an errand by her uncle? Captain. A trusty and discreet person was accordingly sent, and last Tuesday, I think it was, for he returned to us on the Wednesday, he made the inquiries among the neighbours first, the very inquiry giant that gave us all so much uneasiness. But finding that none of them could give any satisfactory account, the ladies' woman was come at, who declared that you were actually married, but the inquirers keeping himself on the reserve as to his employers, the girl refused to tell the day, or to give him other particulars. Loveless. You give a very clear account of everything, Captain Tomlinson. Pray proceed captain the gentleman returned and on his report mr harlowe having still doubts and being willing to proceed on some grounds in so important a point besought me as my affairs called me frequently to town to undertake this matter you mr tomlinson he was pleased to say have children of your own you know the world you know what i drive at you will proceed i am sure with understanding and spirit and whatever you are satisfied with shall satisfy me enter dorcas again in a hurry sir the gentleman is impatient i will attend him presently the captain then accounted for his not calling in person, when he had reason to think us here. He said he had business of consequence a few miles out of town, whither he thought he must have gone yesterday, and having been obliged to put off his little journey till this day, and understanding that we were within, not knowing whether he should have such another opportunity, he was willing to try his good fortune before he set out, and this made him come booted and spurred, as I saw him. He dropped a hint in commendation of the people of the house, but it was in such a way as to give no room to suspect that he thought it necessary to inquire after the character of persons who make so genteel an appearance, as he observed they do. And here let me remark, that my beloved might collect another circumstance in favour of the people below, had she doubted their characters, from the silence of her uncle's inquirist on Tuesday among the neighbours. Captain. And now, sir, that I believe I have satisfied you in everything relating to my commission, I hope you will permit me to repeat my question, which is— Enter Dorcas again, out of breath. "'Sir, the gentleman will step up to you. "'My lady is impatient. "'She wonders at your honest delay,' aside. "'Excuse me, Captain, for one moment. "'I have stayed my full time, Mr. Lovelace. "'What may result from my question and your answer, "'whatever it shall be, may take us up time. "'And you are engaged. "'Will you permit me to attend you in the morning, "'before I set out on my return? "'You will then breakfast with me, Captain. "'It must be early if I do. "'I must reach my own house to-morrow night, "'or I shall make the best of wives unhappy. "'And I have two or three places to call at in my way.' 
it shall be by seven o'clock if you please captain we are early folks and this i will tell you that if ever i am reconciled to a family so implacable as i have always found the harlowes to be it must be by the mediation of so cool and so moderate a gentleman as yourself and so with the highest civilities on both sides we parted but for the private satisfaction of so good a man i left him out of doubt that we were man and wife though i did not directly aver it End of letter five.